Okay, it's the end of the week and we're here to talk about all things Everton. I've got uh, Phil Kirkbride, the Echo's uh, Everton correspondent with us. Uh, uh, Greg O'Keefe, the Echo's Everton editor. And Dave Prentice as well. Um, Phil, you've been with Roberto Martinez uh, in the last uh, few hours. Uh, what's the latest from Finch Farm? Um, the manager is cautiously optimistic and sort of refusing to rule Rom out of Sampson sort of week tomorrow, uh, which is very positive news but as I say cautiously optimistic he's got a grade one hamstring tear which is sort of the least severe of of the, of the gradings in, in hamstring injuries which is which is good and, and, and the confidence is he's a quick healer so they're going to assess him when he returns on Wednesday to Finch Farm he's obviously had treatment in Belgium this week but he'll miss, miss his country's uh, two Euro qualifiers so they're taking it day by day but it's certainly not a done and dusted thing as it would have been with other players who, who suffered a similar injury that you know it could be up to three weeks for, for for players who perhaps don't heal as quickly as Rom. So positive news um, and uh, and equally positive news. Kone hopefully as well. You know the scans as we revealed yesterday came back with nothing nothing too serious on his knee. Um, so having left Loftus Road with a concern that Everton would have any strikers heading into Southampton, there is now hope that they could have one maybe two. Mm. What's the manager's mood now? A very, a very, obviously very good, but you know, he's he was very aware of the situation a few weeks back, and then I don't think, I think anybody that that, that felt that he didn't understand and and, and, and care and, and worry about Evans' position is wrong, and I, and, I, and I know that's that's hundred percent true because I've spoke to him at length about the, the situation they found themselves in, and he was he, he's not this wide-eyed dreamer that people paint him out as. He's ambitious. 100% ambitious and he's got strong ideas about the way he wants Everton to go and he believes he, he can take Everton forward but he was completely aware of, of what Everton had got themselves into and, and, the, and the requirement to get themselves out of it and I think you know we're not done and dusted yet we're not we're not out of the woods so to speak fully but he's gone and steered this team to two back-to-back wins in the Premier League which has just lifted a bit of the tension you know this yeah. next season's going to be a big season but for now, he's you know some of the sort of some of the acute concern has, has, has faded away. Mm. I was going to ask about that. I mean, Dave Craig. A few weeks ago, people were talking about a relegation fight. Is that off the agenda? Now? I don't think it's completely off it. No, I mean, um, there's, you know, a possibility of you know two or three losses in quick succession and can get dragged back down there again. But you know, that's relying on you know clubs below Everton also winning those two or three games, which doesn't look. Uh, imminent, so you know they've certainly eased quite drastically. And it would take you know a fairly weird set of results for Everton to be pulled back down into it again. But you know, let's face it, that shouldn't really be you know the sum total of Everton's ambition. You know, not being dragged down into relegation fights, they should be looking uh, a lot more ambitiously than that. And uh, obviously, an awful lot of work for Roberto to do this summer. I mean, I, I personally think he gambled on a. Uh, Prioritising the Europa League this season, I think you know. Look at his team selections early on in the season, and he really wanted to make a big impression in that tournament. And it's quite a high-risk policy, you know, because you, you have one bad night, which Everton did. I was in Kiev, and it all comes crumbling down. And unfortunately, you know, the Premier League results have suffered as a result of the uh, the focus on the Europa League, and we're left with you know a pretty disappointing season overall. Do you agree, Greg? Yeah, I mean, very disappointing. You know, wouldn't even quantify it. It's the fact of the matter is now that the best that they can hope for, realistically, is eleventh place finish, and that would be if they went and carried on the winning form they've had over the last couple of games. And to say that, you know, compared to last season, it's just woeful. However, 
obviously Moyes in his second season just stayed up, you know, finished 17th. So I, I do think that Martinez deserves the credit of last season. I know Dave wrote a piece recently which quite rightly said that that credit begins to dwindle when you get performances and results like Stoke, you know, like Kiev. Uh, however, I think that you know the time now is is to just Everton fans to get behind them and hope that they can get that 11th spot because it, it's it doesn't mean anything to fans whether they finish 15th, 13th, you know, 14th. However, financially, it does mean that Everton, if they get 11th, have a lot more money from the Premier League. Than they would if they finish lower, and that's gonna that's gonna materially affect Roberto's budget in the summer. So you know it's important that they get that eleventh. I, th- I think Roberto could do himself a few favours by being a little bit you know blunter maybe uh, in his press conferences. I know he speaks you know openly to yourself, Phil, and you, Greg, but when he comes into press conferences, he's so keen on protecting his players, uh, and sometimes it just doesn't ring right. I mean, certainly you know, the Kiev game, for example, where. Um, he clearly didn't want to hang Alcaraz out to dry and so tried to claim that that defeat was as a result of outstanding finishing rather than poor finishing, which you know, clearly wasn't the case. And you understand what he's trying to do, but fans aren't daft, you know, and they want to hear you know, a degree of realism sometimes. And I think Howard Kendall articulated that in his column last week, where he said that Roberto's coming under pressure, so sometimes he needs to put the pressure back on where it deserves to be, i.e. some of the players who haven't been performing this season. That's the dressing room that was, was under Moyes for 10 years, so... They're not, they're not like shrinking violets, you know, they're not immune to criticism. I think he should trust them to, sometimes he's got to, especially when they have defended like that, he has got to come out. And I'm not saying point out individuals, that would be kind of poor if he made a habit of doing that. But be, like you say, blunter, totally. a bit more sort of hard-hitting. And not try and sort of always tend towards this, you know, let's praise the opposition and, and talk about the positives. You can tell about how you know, pressurised the situation was just by his reaction to the QPR game last week, you know, which was... Uh, a great win, great in inverted commas, in that you know they really had to dig hard and you know sort of really battle it out. What wasn't pretty, but it was a great win in terms of the significance of it. And I think Roberto described it as you know, the most satisfying win yeah. of his Everton career. So that just underlines how much pressure he was coming under, and he's very good at hiding it and you know disguising it and trying to put this positive sunny aspect on in the dressing room, which all managers have done. I always remember Howard Candle talking about having to steal himself before he came into the training ground, you know, to try and smile in front of the players when he was getting his garage doors daubed with paint and God knows what. <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, managers do have to, you know, pull this uh, trick off and he does it very well. Yeah. Phil, you see him more than any other journalist. He's, he's no fool. He's a very intelligent man. Um, what's his view of this sort of positivity that he portrays then and the criticism that it's over the top? I mean, I, I think I think Greg's asked him before before I I took the job. He asked him about it directly, and we did a piece. But I think behind closed, I, I I've asked him. I think it was after the uh, the debacle at Stoke where I said, "Did you read the Riot Act?" And his answer was, in public, I would never, I would never, you know, give my players a rollicking. But but believe me, when it's required, I'll do it. Um, so, you know, I don't think I understand people's frustrations when he doesn't come out and criticise the players and stuff. But he, he's never done it, so I don't see why shouldn't he just suddenly expect him to change? I understand this. Should, you know, people are saying Rebel needs to move with move move with the situation and be a bit more malleable and, and stuff. But that's just not who he is, mm. and I don't really see the point in getting worked up by it. I understand. But I don't see why people get frustrated about it because he's he's not in public ever going to lambast his players. No, it may be a different story in private. Listen, let's get positive because there are positives. Lukaku, I mean, 
great news that he may be uh, fitter sooner rather than later. How good a player is he, and how, is it, how important is he to have him climbing up the table? Yeah, well, I never, I've never made any apologies for being sort of critiquing Rom's performances and being putting him under perhaps more scrutiny than any other player in the team, purely because of the amount of money Everton have, have spent on him. So I don't ever make apologies for that. But I think what has been sort of patently obvious um, is that he wasn't fit for the first three and a half months of the season. And perhaps on a personal level, I perhaps didn't appreciate how how long it, it has taken him to get up to fully, to fully up to speed. But for me, the turning point was over Christmas when he was dropped and then he came back for the West Ham Cup tie and he's... And, you know, relatively speaking, from that point on, he has shown us why the manager has got so much faith in him, and why he has—you could argue—staked his reputation on buying a player that Chelsea were willing to let go. You know, and pay so much money for him because he has been superb since January. Mm-hmm. I've disappointed with him in the derby, but aside from that, he has been superb. Yeah. You, you've seen that. a lot of great Everton centre forwards down the decades, Prano. What do you make of him quickly? Um, I think for a footballer of his age and his his experience, he's outstanding. I mean, uh, you take Lukaku out of Everton's forward line, and there's not a great deal left there. You know, you worry about the Southampton game if it's Aruna Kone or you know possibly Stephen Naismith has to leave the line. You know, on their own, they'll do so willingly, but nothing like with the same effectiveness that Lukaku would bring. People query his first touch. I mean, I've done that myself. Uh, they talk about you know is it not getting involved uh, in the penalty area as often as maybe he should be. But that apart, he's got all the elements to become you know, one of the, the very, very great Everton centre-forwards. Uh, Graham Sharp was, I think he was about 22, 23, when he finally matured as a result of Andy Gray taking him under his wing and became the great striker that we knew. But very early in his career, uh, he struggled desperately for confidence. Uh, Lukaku's got more natural ability, I would suggest, than, you know, than players like that. And uh, he's a very, very good striker at the moment, and he can, can become even better. I certainly wouldn't quibble with the £28 million asking price. I know some people do, uh, but I think he's uh, a player that can certainly justify that in years to come. I remember having a conversation in, in Finch Farm Car Park in, in the sort of early hours after he'd signed. Do you remember in summer there was that long, drawn-out saga when he, yeah. when he was pictured on the jet, or he tweeted the picture of himself on the jet, and finally... Arrived, I think some paperwork from Chelsea delayed his transfer. And I was speaking to a sort of senior Everton executive in the car park and just kind of reviewing the day. And, and, and the message was, you know, delighted to have got the deal through, but he really needs to deliver fast. And, what, and the message was, he needs to score 20 this season. Yeah. Well, he's already on his way to doing that, albeit in all competitions. He might end up scoring 25 in all competitions. You know. um, so in that, in that aspect, he has delivered, as Phil said, with the mitigation that he wasn't fit for a large part of the, the initial part of the season. It maybe puts in, in stark contrast how poor Evans' defending's been. They've got a striker the first time and God knows how long he's scored 20 or will score 20 Premier League goals and they're still having such a woeful season. However, I think you know it's tied to a long-term deal and he's just going to get better and better. OK, let's finish on uh, a player who uh, perhaps can help create some of those chances for Lukaku to put away. Uh, a quick word for me to be on Aaron Lennon. Should the, uh, should the Blues uh, make this a permanent deal? We haven't seen a lot of him, but he's off the mark and yeah. you know, fans are debating him. Well, what's your views, guys? Well, for me, that's the thing. We haven't seen a lot of him. Um, I, I'm, I'm sort of inclined to agree with Howard Kendall in his column today, sort of, sort of urging caution with, with loan players. But what we have seen of Lennon has been very encouraging. Loads of energy, loads of work rate, what Everton have needed on the wing, pace, you know, intent, 
being direct. Um, my my only sort of criticism is his final ball. We haven't seen anything sort of consistently good in that in that area yet. But you know, there's still eight games of the season left, and you know he's doing everything he can. So you can't knock him for that at all. I think there's better out there. I think he's you know the wrong side of 25. I think Tottenham will let him go. Everton should be aiming to get players of the calibre of Tottenham starting eleven, not their cast-offs. And I don't think uh, Lennon's agent and the pressure that they'll try and engender in the coming weeks to get a deal done and push through a deal should in any way um, force Martinez's hand. I'm sure it won't. Let's see what he can do in the next eight games. I've been impressed so far, but I do think on the market there's slightly younger and better talent. So That's yeah. a scary one, probably the wrong side of 25. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's had that Landon Donovan effect, hasn't he? You know, where he's come in and he's provided something fresh. And, you know, it's a bit sad, really, but, you know, he stands out because of his work rate. Uh, but that has been very, very impressive. But, like Phil was saying before, I, I'm old enough to remember, as you very kindly pointed out, the, uh, the Terry Curran seasons when he was absolutely outstanding on loan, got a permanent deal, you know, under his pockets, and then, you know, was, was ordinary the following season. I'm not suggesting Gannon Lennon would, would be like that but he wasn't being played regularly at Tottenham in a season when Andros Townsend's done nothing so um, I, I, I agree with Greg on this one I think that possibly there are more talented you know, uh, younger players out there that Everton can look at and uh, that might be the case but if he has an outstanding six or seven games between now and the end of the season that's a very persuasive argument yeah. Jury's not even out yet still considering the evidence thanks fellas Ben jij prijsbewust? Nu extra MB's bij Mijn Sim Only. Voor 12,50 per maand, onbeperkte minuten of sms'jes en 3500 MB 4G internet tijdens de Ben Prijsbewust Weken. Kijk op ben.nl.